Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to The Art of Paying Attention. This is your host, Ryan J. Pelton, where paying attention is our proper and endless work. So how are we doing? What are we paying attention to? What's going on in your world? There's a lot going on, a lot of good things, a lot of happy things. If you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan, we just had the Super Bowl, if you're hearing this. In the Februarys, our local... Kansas City Chiefs are world champions once again, and that is pretty cool. And the one thing I'm paying attention to is you may like sports, you may not like sports, it doesn't really matter, but the thing that sports does, the way it can draw people together, the way it gives people a a connection, it gives people uh, conversation, common conversation, whether you like sports or not, whether you think it's greedy, whether you think it's this or that, but there is something magical that, that brings people together, and you see families and you see generations of people on their favorite teams and moving them on and it's pretty cool so i've been paying attention to that and what sports does and the magic of sports and i know my father and i have bonded over the years over sports and um, again i think there's there's just something something else going on on there and uh and maybe whatever your your favorite thing is or whatever unites you or brings you together so been paying attention to that i've also been really paying attention to uh, this new book by Rick Rubin, The Creative Act, which I, I find really helpful. And uh, Rick Rubin is this famous music producer. He's produced you know, any, anywhere from Tom Petty to the Beastie Boys to Johnny Cash uh, and a lot of new artists as well. And uh, what he says about the creative act or the creative work uh, or creative work is, is really fascinating, really helpful. Uh, I think whatever kind of work you're doing, I don't think uh, we... I don't think I don't think we think enough about uh, all of our work, whatever your work is, being actually creative work. Um, and, and he kind of argues for creativity being a broader thing. Uh, that when you're trying to find solutions, or you're trying to lead people, or you're trying to make something, whether that is actual art, you know, music or films or writing books or what have you, or, or whatever your craft is, whatever your discipline is, there's a creative reality to it. And so he has some really interesting insights into that. So that's Rick Rubin, the creative act. I know I've mentioned it a couple of times on my newsletter, so go, go check that out. Um, and what I'm also paying attention to is Ramona Lee and Ramona Lee is a novelist and she has written 12 novels. She just had a, is having a new novel come out called June storm. And I got to talk to Ramona Lee and she's a novelist and a screenwriter, but she has a fantastic story. And, and, and why I love her story is because she wrote her debut uh, novella uh, in 28 hours in 2012, but she was only 14 years old and from 14 to about age 19, I think she had written about 11 books. Uh, and, and I love this, her story because the, the question I get often is, am I too young? And then the other side of that is, am I too old to do creative work, to write a book, to, you know, get my paintings out in the world, to start a business, to start a nonprofit, whatever it is. So you kind of get both of those, those streams. Am I too young? I don't have the experience or am I too old? And, and you're going to love her perspective of just even the challenges of that, of being young and, and what people said to her and how they responded to her work, but how she kept on, on going. So I think you'll be really encouraged and inspired by Ramona Lee and I'll put all her information in the show notes. Well, hey, my friends, without further ado, I'm looking forward to sharing my conversation with novelist Ramona Lee. Well, Ramona, good to have you here. And uh, you have a 
I think you told me you have a novel coming out. Uh, is it, now it's coming out this summer, and I think it's called June Storm. Um, it's coming out this spring. Oh, this spring, it's not okay. Even spring. This February. This February. Oh, February. So. Okay, I must have Very read that soon. wrong. I thought I, said, <laughs> I thought I read July or something. That's okay. Um, but yeah, this is your twelfth book, if I'm not mistaken. That's a lot of books and you're not very old. So you've been, been cranking them out. Um, so why don't we uh, just begin there? Uh, you told me a little bit, your first book, I think maybe novella came out when you were like 14. Uh, so tell us like what spurred that on? Why, you know, as a 14 year old, uh, I don't know if that's high school in London or wherever you were at that time. Um, but you know, teenage years, I got a, I got a 15 year old, so he's not cranking out books right now, but, uh, yeah, tell us a little bit, kind of your origin story. Where'd you come from and say, hello. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, that was back in Romania. Um, so I grew up in Germany. I spent my first 10 years um, in Germany and then I moved to Romania. So um, funny enough, I was uh, I grew up at home speaking Romanian, so I could speak, I couldn't read, I couldn't write in Romanian. So even my accent was very German. So I had to relearn everything, basically. So a few years later, um, I started writing um, in Romanian and... Um, yeah, it just sounded very German, to be honest. My sentences were was long and all that good stuff. But uh, I just enjoyed writing stories. So I was uh, encouraged by my mom, just just do it, just write it. And I uh, kept walking around the house telling her, I want to write a book, I want to write a book. Um, because when I was younger, uh, about four or five years old, I was um, still am a big Jackie Chan fan. So when I was watching his movies, I was always telling my mom, I want to do what he's doing, you know. Uh, so I trained martial arts and I want to do movies. And she kept telling me, well, if you really want to do movies one day, maybe start writing a book. Because, like, for example, look at Harry Potter. It was very popular when I was uh, a kid. And just maybe try um, try to write a book. And maybe one day, if you're lucky, or, you know, it could become a movie. So I said to her, um, so all I have to do to be Jackie Chan is write a book. So, okay. <laughs> so a few days later, um, obviously when I was 14, um, I kept telling her when I wrote a book she was like you know what just leave me alone just go do it because I hate people kept telling me you know I want to do things I want to do this I want just just go do it you know do it and then we'll see if it's good or not because I can't judge your writing at this point if you're not just yeah so yeah that's how I wrote my first novella um it is a martial arts drama so it's not really martial arts action comedy which I end up writing later on it was more more of a, a drama it was I think maybe my take on the karate kid a bit more uh, I wouldn't spoil it, but yeah, no, it's, it's, um, what got me into, um, writing, uh, novels because I thought they were screenplays. That's also, uh, another silly story, but, um, I was calling them mini screenplays, although I didn't know how a screenplay looked. It didn't look like a screenplay. It was a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, my mom being from the publishing industry, um, she used to work when she was younger as a publisher. So she was like, no, no, that looks like a book to me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so we decided to, to, um, pursued out and going publish. So, and from then on, um, I didn't really stop. So, yeah. Well, I love that. So you, you told me that this was like the first, uh, martial arts novella in Romania, like ever, or like they don't exist, but you have one of the only. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't say that one was the first one. So when it comes to like, my, my style started developing along the years, so I would say agent zero zero was really the first one that, was let's say Jackie Chan but in books so it's that kind of action comedy um so yeah that's when they named me Romania's first martial arts list yeah I love that because I love your Jackie Chan reference because uh I'm obviously a lot older than you but um 
one of some of my favorite movies are the rush hour movies. Uh, so like in the nineties, uh, Jackie Chan and, um, Chris, uh, in his last name, Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yes. As you, as you know, the, those were hilarious movies and it was kind of a resurgence for his career too. Uh, a lot of people didn't know who he was, but he came on the scene, especially in America, um, through those movies. And I, man, I used to watch those in college all the time. Um, great movies. Um, and, uh, so coming back to uh, something you said, it was interesting. Um, is that idea of like writing a screenplay, but it's really a book and kind of that visual, like writing it almost as a movie. And I think that's interesting because, you know, some of the best, you know, action based thriller based really, they read like movies and a lot of them end up being movies. Um, now when you write, are you kind of thinking in those terms? Like when you, you're kind of, whether you outline or not, but are you thinking scenes? Are you thinking like this needs to happen? That needs to happen. I mean, is it, is it kind of like, you have a movie in your head and you go, yeah, I want this to have, I mean, how did, when you were starting, especially at a young age, how, how did that, how did that work? Was it just like the movie influence, the Jackie Chan influence, all the above? Talk us through that. To be honest. Yes. Uh, I would say at that age, I did watch more movies than I read books. Now, um, obviously reading books helps uh, to develop your style uh, as a, as a writer, but I didn't really know early on. I didn't really know what exactly I was, I wanted to do, but I just knew I had stories in my head that I had to go out. And obviously the easiest way I, what I had, I had a laptop so I could write them down. Now, um, the film industry seemed so far away and such a market I couldn't understand at that age. So I wouldn't dare to say I want to write the screenplay. I didn't know how to write one and I didn't even know if I had one, what would I do with it? So, um, Books were just the the easiest way in basically, and then when I, when I just started writing more and more books, then I figured, okay, maybe I can I can look into screenplays as well and uh, see how I could get into the film industry. That's a whole uh, different other uh, journey there. But yeah, when I, I was writing, a lot of people then reading my stories would say, oh, it feels like reading, um, just like watching a movie, and I just felt like I saw all the scenes. So I could say that my my writing is pretty uh, visual. Um, I do skip a lot of uh, description just because the current generation also going also back to the, the title of your podcast, right? It's just the, the other paying attention also just focus because of social media and, and everything going on. The, the attention span is just so, so low. So uh, just when it comes to descriptions, I think a lot of young people just skip pages and pages of descriptions. So I thought, okay, I don't enjoy long descriptions either. So how can I tailor my stories around the current needs and the current young people and encourage young people to read? Um, so, yeah, I think I, I do use a lot of dialogue and a lot of visual um, images, uh, I would say, just to to, to make things uh, more dynamic and easier to read as well. And some people like that. Some people hate that. I do get criticism sometimes as your book is 90% dialogue. It just looks like a Netflix movie. So I say, well, thank you. Um, that's the idea. So uh, some people love that. So yeah, it's, it's obviously not for everyone, but I would definitely say that's, that's a big part of my style and uh, I do enjoy doing that. And I will continue to do that. You know, I, I was reading, uh, it's, Maybe you heard of the Fletch movies on a 80s like uh, action Chevy Chase. And they had, I think they have a remake, but there's a, they're actually based on novels, which I didn't know till actually a few years ago. Um, I think his name's Greg, uh, I forget his name, but um, Greg something. And uh, actually all his books and their mysteries and are almost all dialogue. And it's fascinating because I remember picking one up thinking, this is, this is kind of weird. You know, like where's the narrative? Where's anything? And it's just all dialogue, but it moves. 
the dialogue is the action, right? It's everything's moving and they'll give just a little line here and there, but it actually really works. And it's, you know, 90% dialogue. And I, I just, I think there's, the, the point is, I think what you're saying and what I'm trying to say is, is there are, there's no one way. I mean, there's no, it's your style. It's your voice. That's what makes books and writing and creativity so unique is because it's, it's your voice and in the way you do it. And some people it's like no dialogue. There's not even dialogue tags. I mean, <laughs> and it's all description or it's all just, you know, kind of visual, whatever. Um, so I, I think that's, that's interesting. Um, so really influenced by kind of action, adventure, martial arts, Jackie Chan, um, v- very visual storyteller. Now, when you were getting into that first like book, uh, novella, I should say, did you know you you wanted to be a novella or was that kind of in, in your mind or was it just, this is good enough and, and far enough? Cause obviously you've written a bunch of novels since then, but was there any thinking of the actual, you know, work itself? Like just kind of keep it short, keep it quick, keep it fast. Or was there any thought into that in your first one? There was, I wanted to say a lot with less words because it's quite a short story, but it's pretty tragic and it's pretty sad. And uh, I had a lot of readers, uh, which were adults, just just sending me messages and it made me cry. And I, I really enjoyed that. And thank you so much. Um, because it's a story about teenagers and loss and grief in that sense. Um, so when I wrote it, I just thought, okay, I, I want to make a short story that says a lot of things and I want to write it really quickly. So uh, put together the hours I spent sat- sitting down and because I was p- posting it online, people could read it for free um, at the beginning. Um, and I put the hours together. So it was around 28 hours that took me to write the whole um, story put together. So that was within a month and then the story was there. Uh, and after that, I was like, oh, that's fun. Should, should do some more. And I kept um, putting things out and I saw that people uh, were, were clicking and were reading it. So that encouraged me to publish it. But I wasn't really saying, okay, I really want to have this book on my shelf and I want to be a writer. I just felt like, no, I have stories to tell and I want people to read them. I still think I feel the same way if it's an ebook, if it's a printed book. Um, I do it for the audience. I don't do it for myself. I know sometimes writers say, uh, I do it for myself. I need to have things that I need to get out. And I do that as therapy or I do it for myself. I think if nobody would read my stories, I wouldn't write because if it's not for the readers, then I just wouldn't do it. So it's that enjoyment of knowing that somebody is reading what you are uh, putting on paper and uh, yeah, it's it's that kind of feeling that I, I, I enjoy and that's why I do it. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, I think sometimes it's, it. I think I'm learning it because it starts with, it's always for yourself. It's for your own healing, your own therapy, well, you know, whatever, just, I just like telling stories, but then when people start reading it, it ends up becoming more about, oh, I do it for other people because they enjoy it. You know, it, it starts with you, but then it becomes like, oh, I really enjoy serving people with books and give, telling them good stories and you know, it becomes kind of all the above, right? Because I think you're you can't separate yourself out from your storytelling. I mean, there's always something in you. I mean, always, you know, you're talking about Jackie Chan and just those influences. Like it's probably hard to shake some of those things or or just the movies that you grew up with that you really want to kind of work into your 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 books or for whatever reason, they just kind of work themselves in there. I love that. Um well so Ramona, obviously like you started that first book, uh, novella, and then you started just cranking them out. Um, and, um, you know, by age, I think you said 19, you already had like 11 books. So what, what like kind of kept you going? I mean, what, did you have feedback from people? Did you just enjoy it? Like what was kind of the impetus to keep, keep on going? I did have feedback. Yes. And obviously uh, I do care a lot about having uh, people reading my stories, as I mentioned, but as I grew up and then I was a teenager and I got a lot of negative feedback as well, uh, mainly from, uh, adults who were in the industry seen as 
you know, highly influential or whatever in, in Romania. And I was really uh, told a lot of things that you shouldn't say to a 15, 16 year old starting a career. But then the more I started getting those, I just felt like, no, I just want to prove something. And I just want to show that there is something here and that I will make a career. And maybe I was just feeding off those negative uh, um energies that were coming my way from people I thought that you shouldn't be treating me like this um but if you want to make me stop uh that will make me do exactly the opposite and I will keep going and then uh, I could really see uh, uh, me making a career in publishing and then also filmmaking which I later on started to get into so I knew that the only way in was me keep you know keep keep doing the same thing move to a place that maybe understands you or a, a place that sees you and where you can meet more people um, that can that are just basically on the same page with you and that could be part of your journey to get where you want to get, either being it working with Jackie Chan one day or even saying, here, this is a story I wrote for you and I came all this way here and meanwhile, I made a career as well just to say hi and thank you so much, you influenced me. So, you know, those kind of little things that keep you um, going. But, yeah, when it came to, to feedback, I don't think Romania is really the right pa- place for, for writers. It's not really a market. People don't buy books. And if they do, they buy books from foreigners because those are seen to be good. Any um, local writer is not good. That's what they uh, consider. So you need to do little cheeky things as coming back with your English book published in Romania and saying, no, no, I'm not Romanian. What are you talking about? Um, so yeah, so that when, when you, when you stuck in a little place that just does not want you and you know, there's no point of trying to go around and trying people to, to convince people, no, but please, but read it. No, you just need to go leave and go somewhere where it's easy and where people want to accept you, although because the journey is still, still tough and you still have to do a lot of work, but. Yeah, it's just no point to go against the wind or whatever the saying is um, and force anyone to convince people. But yeah, it's just not the right market over there and it still still isn't and never was. I think it's getting easier now. There's lots of new independent publishers coming out and lots of new young uh, writers, which is pretty exciting. Um, uh, when I was a teenager, it was me and maybe one or two other young people publishing and uh, the rest were just 50, 40 year olds that were just sad and tired and just fed up with <laughs> the whole everything. So they would just tell you, no, you're too young, you know, nothing, you're not good enough yet, or, you know, treat you like uh, they, they shouldn't. So they were just discouraging you as a young person. But luckily, as it is, sometimes you just need one person to believe in you. And that was always my mom telling me, no, no, you know, just don't listen to them. Just just do your thing, do your thing. And I think that was important because if you don't have at least one person believing in you, you might just give up because you are 15. You just, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's not easy, but yeah, believing in yourself really as mm-hmm. cheesy as it sounds, but it's mm-hmm. very important. <laughs> right. Yeah. You always have to have someone in your corner, I think, supporting your work and especially creative work. It's hard. It's, you know, frustrating and slow and yeah you need someone rooting you on uh i'd like to circle back a little bit what you said about just the different markets but um what was it like uh kind of speaking romanian writing in romanian but then switching to english uh, i'm assuming um is uh what i mean was that difficult was that um i mean i just think of like different idioms and metaphor and how you know different cultures can can mean different things i mean what was kind of the the thought process was it just reading a lot of stuff in english and just kind of figuring it out or how, how did that how did that go early on 
it's it's difficult it's the same i'm in the same position now where i was um when i was let's say 12 13 as a 10 year old moving to a different country as i said i was speaking romanian i couldn't read so just having to learn everything and then start writing and uh, having somebody at home tell you no no you can't say that that sounds you just translated that from german you can't say that in mm-hmm. romanian like, okay okay uh, so then yeah, you, you, you learn and you adapt. And it's the same, I think, I'm just in the same position in English now, where it's my third language and I, so I can speak it fluently. I obviously can hear my own accent and sometimes I just struggle to find the right words. So it's one thing to to be able to hold a conversation, but it's another thing to actually sit down and try to write or translate, which I found out is actually harder than actually writing in that language. Um, but you have to learn it the hard way. You have to do it because um, if you are, if you're not a big name, if you don't have a huge publisher behind you that translates your your writing or whatever, who would at this point waste their time translating your work? And because there's so many other writers out there who can speak per- perfect English, why would they pick you? So that's that uh, reality that I had to to um, live with. So uh, yeah, when when I realized, okay, I need the the wider market, I need to break to the international market, and that has to be with English. So I have no other choice. So when I moved to London in 2019, um, I had Kung Fu Bodyguard, which was published in Romania in 2017. And uh, I started uh, putting out a film campaign for that. So I was looking for investment and uh, we're still doing that. So I would, that, that's also a different story now. But yeah, that was my first screenplay as well. And I translated that one story to um English and I had a US publisher picking that up and they published it in the US and it was available everywhere but I wasn't really happy with the translation uh, I did it myself and I could see that okay there's some some bits I just don't sound English so I took that off market I was just like I don't really want to sell that anymore if I know it's, yeah, maybe the English is a bit broken and uh it just distracts you from um focusing on the story so that was a bit um sad about that whole experience where I thought I don't know maybe it's it's too risky to go out with another book but then I figured no that's the only way I I have to do it so that's why June Storm um, happened so (laughs) that was during the pandemic I wrote it in Romanian first and um, then I decided to translate it and then had my partner who's a native English speaker read through it and just pick some things here and there when he's like, you can't say that. That's not English. Mm-hmm. Nobody would understand it. Why are you trying to say here? This just is no. So we, we went through that whole process. And now I would say it's 199.9% uh, grammatically correct. Everything's correct. You could just see at times she's not a native speaker. But for some people, it's a problem. Others just find that fascinating. So, um, but yeah, definitely there's no English uh, errors in there. So I think there's a big improvement from Kung Fu Bodyguard to June Storm. Um, and I found out the hard way that it's probably easier for me to write in English because I, that's the way I, I will just then start thinking in English. And the new book I'm writing now, I'm writing it in English and it's flowing already better than June Storm. So I can see that I'm on the right path. But yeah, translating it is a whole different project. So not okay. so easy. <laughs> yeah. I, my kids are fluent. They're all fluent in French. They all go to a French immersion school and uh, I'm not, but uh, they, it, they always tell me how their brains, you know, the English and the French are in there and how they default to French. And like, they have to like, almost like <laughs> tell their brain to go the other way or they'll just start speaking French or they'll write something and it doesn't make sense. Cause it's, um, imagine having, you know, all those different languages in your brain, you know, you have at least three or maybe four. Um, 
kind of competing, you know, as you're writing and, and I imagine it's hard enough to write, let alone in English <laughs> in multiple languages and, and make it smooth. And, and, and we just, you know, we take that for granted, like language is such a powerful thing because it's regardless of what culture you're from. I mean, the way we say things, the way we emphasize things, our illustrations, our metaphors, they can all be to us. They make sense, but to other people that makes no sense. Uh, so I imagine that's a, still a good challenge for you, but, um, but it sounds like you're having some success figuring that out and figuring out what, what works and a good process for that. So that's good. Um, and I wanted to also come back to, um, one of the things that you you mentioned a couple of times was just our our short attention spans because I think this has a lot to do with kind of the way we create and and kind of the era in which we live in and 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 I str- I've struggled with this too because I I mean I do like I still like big long books and I'm fine with that and yet yet others it's like can't handle it won't even look at it um, you know audio audio books are obviously becoming popular which um, I've sold a lot of audio books more than I thought I would but it's just people being able to digest them on the train or in the car or whatever. Uh, which I get, I totally get. Um, talk us through kind of, you know, you're definitely uh, in the younger generation and kind of think through that lens a lot because you're just being yourself. Um, but the people that have been reading your books, like, is there a, is there a thought process of like, how do I make this um, readable, digestible? Um, are you thinking about length? Are you thinking about, you know, yeah, what are you thinking about? Why don't you talk us through that? I did think about length as well and just the, the audience I want to target. And when it came to me now being a no name, let's say in the international market, I had to think about uh, a topic that can appeal to a wider audience. Even if I say it's June's film is women's fiction, it can be fun for uh, a man to read it too. Or, you know, but uh, let's say we are targeting, um, females here and the story is about dating apps so something a lot of people can relate with and and can just read as a as a fun uh, little um beach read let's say but um now this is tied really closely together with tiktok uh, for example which i didn't want to join and i was very much against it because i thought it's cringy uh, what is this just two second videos there's no uh there's nothing in there but then i figured no uh, my audience is there. Young people are there and young readers are there and just readers in general. So um, you kind of need to use that as a tool and, and make it work for you. So I just joined TikTok, so I'm pretty fresh on there too. But I can see that the, it gains traction and I just had to watch a lot of book talk videos and see how people market books and how they get people's attention and how you should film and all that kind of stuff and it started being fun. So I'm actually enjoying it and I can connect with other readers, with writers and so, uh, yeah, but when it comes to the book itself, I did think about length and I, and I thought about topics that I should put in, I shouldn't put in, you know, what works for, for a big audience that doesn't know who you are, but just wants something, uh, quick and funny, um, to get to know you and get to know your style and then obviously pick up the next book you're writing. So you don't want to like, go in with something heavy that is just either disturbing or really hard to read or all that kind of stuff. You want to go come in with something that just makes people laugh and you think, okay, that was cute. Um, and then, okay, what else does she write? So, uh, yeah, but it's difficult. It's difficult with, um, with the young generation. Oh, let's say the young generation. I mean, I am the young generation as well, but I can definitely see a difference with people even four or five years younger than me. They kind of grew up in a tiny bit of a different, uh, uh, school year, let's say. And then it's, it's already so, so different and we already think so different. So, uh, you kind of have to spend a bit of time on social media and to see how they think and how, what they like and how they like to see things. Cause, um, 
I like to give uh, Madonna as an example sometimes here. She just, but every decade she was, every, every decade she was always modern. She always was keeping up with uh, music styles. It was 80s, 90s, 2000s. And even today she's trying to still keep up and she's in her 60s. And I do appreciate that because you have to appeal to the current audience. You have to be uh, there with, with the young people and where everything happens. So I'm definitely, I mean, I'm not old, but I'm still trying to keep up with TikTok and everything, which I still find a bit weird. How do you use this? How do you use that when you actually grew up with Facebook and grew up with no social media? So, um, yeah. But I think, yeah, I think that's an important part is um, you mentioned too, like even using these platforms, it's learning how to be authentic, learning how to be just yourself. Because I think even with these platforms, it doesn't matter the platform is so often you mentioned cringy, you know, it's like people try way too hard or they, it just feels like all they're trying to do is sell you something. And it doesn't come off as like, you know, Ramona just trying to share her passion for books or passion for her books, you know, or tell us or storytelling or whatever. Uh, that resonates, I think more with your generation too, because um, they can kind of spot out those that are just trying to, you know, pull a fast one on you or trying to, sell you something that where it's not really coming from a genuine place. And I think that's, that's the difference. It's like these me- mediums don't have to be cringy. They can be actually used well. Um, if you're, if we're being honest and, and I think there's actually a shift back to almost like, um, less produced, less fancy, more just like honest kind of conversation. Every day. And yeah. yeah. Kids like to feel as if they are there with you in your house, in your room, yeah, uh, exactly. part of your process. And they're just like you and you can show them, yes, yeah. you can do that too. If I can do it, you can do it. So yeah. here's how I do it. And that's, that's what appeals, you know, to, to, yeah, kids now is just not celebrities and, and, and everything else is just so close to you. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's you're like, right there. Like- it's like relatable. Yeah. How is it relatable? I mean, my kids watch, you know, YouTube kids and my younger kids and my older kids watch YouTube too, but it's like the stuff they watch, you've never even heard of these people. I mean, they're just like moms and dads, like dressing up and doing films and, you know, they're not famous, but my kids love it. And it's just, it's funny and it's authentic and it's goofy and, you know, uh, which I think is good. I think that's a healthy correction. And I think there's, uh, what I was going to say too, was there seems to be also this kind of fun, like going back to like print books where everyone thought print was just going away and it's all going to be eBooks and no one's going to care. Um, everyone reads on their phones, but the reality is actually print has gone up a lot. And I think, um, I think when we're so inundated with digital and screens, it's like people actually want to break from that and they want to actually feel something and experience kind of the page. Um, and I think that's young and old. I mean, I'm amazed how even younger people, uh, that I know, even my own kids, like they want a paperback to hold, not, not just read on their phones or whatever. So it's kind of this weird balance. Like it's not one or the other, it's kind of all of it, you know? And I think that's, that's pretty exciting too. Yeah. Because you want the break from social media as well. And from all the flashy lights and everything, that's why all people now paint their walls gray and white <laughs> right. and just boring and minimalist because you just want to go away from everything that's happening on your screen. But it's also trendy now because kids these days do like, Things are not that conventional, let's say. Yep. They do like uh, vintage clothing. Now, 70s and 80s music is cool. Now you are uh, um, on the cool side if you listen to that kind of music, if you dress mm-hmm. like nobody else is dressing. And I think that's great because when I was younger, if you if I said I like 80s music, they're like, oh, you know, you like your mom's kind of music. So mm-hmm. uh, you were all, also always an alien. But now it's even cool. You know, it's cool yeah. to, to be educated about the 50s and see what kind of movies were back then sure. and actors back then and Hollywood in the 40s and 50s. So I think it's great. It's, it's yeah. educational and it's cool that kids are, are open to all these kind of things. Yeah. 
Hey, easy there. I was my music was the eighties. I was born in the eighties, so I mean, I was born in the seventies actually. So I listened to your mom's music. So, uh, but no, and it's funny because like I laugh. I was talking to someone the other day that like you used to get beat up if you listened to like the wrong music, but now it's like everyone kind of has their own culture and nerd culture is cool. And like you know, if you were into comic books, you got beat up. You know, and now it's hey, you can Marvel movies and comic books is cool, and you know, and I love it because I think there's just so many subcultures that people aren't hey that's cool if you like this kind of music or that kind of music and and and, you know your generation too like which is which i think my generation would have longed for is the internet because you couldn't find things like like if you wanted to find an old movie or you wanted to find old music it's just so hard to find i mean you had to know someone who had it or you had to go to a record store or whatever but now with youtube it's like you can watch these old movies and hear this old music that just wasn't accessible you know we didn't even know it existed unless somebody brought it to you uh so i mean I to be honest same i mean uh, i yeah. didn't have a laptop till i was 12 or 13 ish yeah. so that gave me all the time of be outside play and then just be present and just notice what's going on around me and that's where your your uh, inspiration comes from as well and then you, you you still have that focus of I wasn't distracted I didn't have any wi-fi at home either so what I could do I was just sit there and write because there's nothing else to distract yeah. you at all and that that was good yeah for that sure helped. yeah I I I'm um I'm I'm worrying about that a little bit just with uh creators and writers and that there's so many distractions that it's hard enough to just do it without distractions, let alone, you know, now you have every excuse to not write or to not create. It's like, Oh, social media. Oh, music. Oh, let's watch that movie. Um, and where we just didn't have that. Right. It's like, now we complain the internet's too slow, you know, and you know, our Wi-Fi is not fast enough. Uh, so yeah. What, it, what does it look like to, to do that kind of work and be distracted? So, um, so on that note, why don't we talk a little bit about your kind of process? Cause obviously you're writing a lot of books and creating a lot of things and, uh, screenplays and all kinds of stuff. So like, do you have like a daily routine, weekly routine, monthly routine? Uh, what does that look like for you? I used to, but now with all the distractions and also uh, all the other things I'm doing, um, I'm not in high school anymore. So I would say I go to school, I come back and that my only worry was sitting down and writing my stories. But now I have to take everything else in life into consideration. So um I'm trying to write, but I'm not tired. And that's sometimes a problem because you have the time, but then you just sit there and just stare at the screen because you're physically just so tired and mentally exhausted where you you know what you're trying to write, but you just your eyes hurt and you just don't want to be in front of a screen after you spent eight, nine hours in front of a screen doing something else. So it's definitely way harder. And then I, I can see it takes me now longer to write something, not because I don't have the inspiration or not because I don't know what I want to do, but you're just mentally so distracted and tired where it takes you longer. So um, I'm kind of trying it sometimes just to uh, say, okay, this is half of the day I did this and now I just have to leave this by side because I really want to focus on my writing. And if it's weekends and I know I'm spending a whole Saturday and sometimes I can sit there for 18 hours and just write and write and write and then uh, I can just be happy and feel um, satisfied that I did something. So I, I try to avoid sitting there and just staring at the screen. When I notice I'm doing that, for half an hour let's say I'm just just completely breaking up the the whole idea of writing that day because I just rather go watch a movie or go for a walk or go to the gym or whatever but I just try to avoid the the whole procrastination uh you you get into when when you're just too tired so it's just me fighting with my own body uh Mm -hmm. trying to yeah um be focused enough to actually have the time to write yeah well, I think it's good. Uh, you brought up a good point of those that are listening to like the just knowing yourself, because I think um, one of the things I've talked about a lot over the years is 
people don't realize like some people really are like morning people like they get up and it's just they're ready to go and they're fully alive and they know like if they're going to create something or do some hard things it's like the morning's the best place to do that um, but other people it's like nighttime after work during lunch like you just have to kind of know who you are and know sometimes your season of life you know do you have kids do you have, are you do you have a partner do you have a stressful job whatever um, and I don't think we, we think about that enough. Cause I think we, we get advice and it's like, it's gotta be at, you know, 4am every day. And you go like, I just, I'm like a zombie. I'm not going to be any good doing that. Um, or it's gotta be at midnight when the kids are asleep or whatever. Um, but just figuring that out because I think that's important. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've always been a night owl. I don't know what that is, but, um, now I have kids, so I'm, I'm, I don't sleep at all. So, so for me, it's just, you know, finding whenever, whenever works, but, um, but I think that's important. I think it's just kind of, yeah, like you said, like if I know I get tired at a certain time, you know, maybe I need to carve out a few hours to write at this time. Or if I know I can binge, binge write on the weekends, that's my best time. Um, and I know a lot of writers that do that. It's like, they just know like Saturday, Sunday, I'm just going to crank out a lot of stuff and it, and it's probably the same amount if you did it a little bit each during the week. So, um, so that's good. Just know your seasonal life, know, know who you are. Um, now Ramona, um, one of the things we talk about here, because I've kind of switched up my, uh, name of the podcast of late, um, is the art of paying attention. And so I have to ask you, what are you paying attention to, to these days? I would say to to myself, and like you said, you need you need to know yourself and to listen to to your body when it's telling you, when it's giving you signals of. Um, because I, when I when I was younger, I used, sometimes I just I used to overwork myself a lot. Dimensions sitting there and writing and writing and writing until I would just get up and be dizzy. Uh, but I used to be happy. I guess I did it. <laughs> and um, but I now I can see it's not healthy, and I would say with age it's getting a bit harder to to put in the same amount of hours i used to when i was 16 and i would still be refreshed the next morning and uh and you just do it and do it and it's not good for your mental health to push yourself so far but sometimes when you really want to achieve something you, you would do it and you would put in the hours and you would i don't know why you find that that uh excitement it might just be adrenaline that just keeps you um going but sometimes that just makes you retreat into a room and not get out and you're just in your own world which is great because you create but that also kind of takes you away from reality and if you, from your own life and then I got to a point where I feel like well I, I haven't really lived my own life um, or find new friends or go out and do other things that maybe I would enjoy do as well although I'm an introvert I do enjoy my time on my own at home but you, you kind of realize now I want to live my own life now too I don't want to just keep having to live through my characters and maybe that's an escape as well when you just find you, you are stuck somewhere where you don't want to be you just try to escape and then you create different worlds and different characters and you live your life through them but then you figure no I just actually want to do the same thing with my own life so uh yeah moving to a new place and then just leaving the, the whole writing thing by side for a few months and just going out and meeting new people and experiencing new things that can also then bring so many other new stories they could put on uh paper and here's June Storm. Uh I'm not saying I'm speaking from from uh, uh experience there. Uh but I may or may not um when it comes to the um dating app uh, experiences there. But it's yeah, just something that you can look uh, back at and say like, no no that was fun. Um I wouldn't particularly do it a second time. I wouldn't repeat that, but uh, that was fun. And it's just more funny stories you can tell when you're a grandma um in front of a fireplace and then be like, when I was twenty but yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. The, going back to your question, is just finding that balance between taking care of yourself and taking care of your career because they 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 come together. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when you're young, younger, you know, I was the same way. It's like, you just have endless energy and then you realize like your energy is not as what it used to be. And so you are, you can run off of just enthusiasm and, and then you get a little older and you're like, that's just not going to work. That's not sustainable. But um, yeah, our bodies are really wise. I mean, they tell us like when things aren't good or we need to take a break or um, we just have the sense, like maybe we're too inward focused or too isolated. You know, we need to be around people. We need new experiences. We need, you know, uh, maybe even soul work. I don't know the, in, the internal part of us, you know, or just there's that, you know, we got to care for ourselves so we can actually be useful in our creativity and, and to those around us, you know, and that's because, you know, the, the writers, I think that I admire the most and creators that they are tend to be healthy people. I mean, they tend to, you know, there's always this myth of like, you got to be addicted and you got to be, you know, sad and you got to be all these things to really make good art. And the reality is like the, the healthier people, the ones that stick around are the ones that have, you know, they have healthy relationships and healthy families and they're trying to care for themselves and, and other people. They're not just, you know, I like what you said about just, you, you can't get lost in your own kind of fictional world and forget there's actually a real world to live in, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it can become an uh, escape. Uh well, Ramona, this has been great, and I'm excited for your book to come out. And uh, people are listening to this; it won't be out yet. Depending on when this comes out, it'll be very close. But tell us again that when it, when's it coming out, and then what do you got coming up after that? Well, it's available for pre-orders now, and okay. people can start ordering on the seventh of February. And then for the ones who are in London, um, I have a book launch on the twenty third, so people can come in person, meet me. I can sign some books. That's on the 23rd of February, but for everyone else around the world, it's the 7th of February where they can okay. order. And then uh, where's the best place to to pre-order and order and all that good stuff? Find you. Pretty much, pretty much everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's on Waterstones in the UK, Barnes & Noble uh, in the US. It's pretty much everywhere for, okay. for pre-orders. Great. Well, I love it. So. Any, um, what's, I know I, I hate asking this question when someone just has a book coming out, but you know, what's, what's, what's on the horizon? What's the next thing? What are you, what are you dreaming about after, after uh June storm? I'm writing a book called George. Um, it, a little bit of it is based on an experience I had when I was working at the gym reception when I was 20. Um, that was a really interesting three months of summer there. And I've, I've always thought that the, kind of carry people I met there and the experiences I had really were just story worthy, but I never really thought of actually putting that down on paper. So I'm doing that now. And it's a bit based on, I would say my own grandpa who was a second world war um, veteran and he's turning 98, I think in February, anyway, almost a hundred. And um, I took a little bit of his um, way of life uh, into the character I'm putting now. So I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, it's a story more for um, a comparison, not a comparison, but it's a young person perspective put next to a, a 97, 90-something-year-old uh, perspective, with, which are two uh, close friends, and they help each other, and they go on a journey together where they learn from each other. So it's always like you can learn from from young people, you can learn for, from older people, and you can help each other this way. So it will be less of a comedy, more of a uh, heartwarming story. So yeah, that's what I'm working on now. Well, I love it. Sounds great. 
Well, Ramona, go. Uh, thanks. I should say thanks for coming on. And everyone that is listening, I was going to say, go get Ramona's books. And she has a lot of them. So you have a lot to choose from. Go check out June Storms coming out very soon, probably when you're listening to this. Or you may listen to this three years in the future. Who knows? But go check out her books. Um, thanks for helping us pay attention to what matters most. And I think thank we covered, you for covered, yeah, covered a lot of good stuff. So I know this is going to help a lot of people. So thank you for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Well, there it is, my friends. Ramona Lee. Uh, what a great conversation with her. Uh, I just really appreciate her candidness, her honesty of her own challenges and her, and her creative work and her writing. And, and I love this because if you're listening and you feel like I'm too young to do this kind of work, uh, you know, or I'm too old, time has passed me by, I would say there's always time. Uh, if you have breath in your lungs and you're able to do really anything and sit upright, uh, you can do this, this kind of work. And, and I know there's a lot of stories in us and there's a lot of art in us. And, and it's easy to, to listen to the broader culture and say, well, that your time has passed and there's, you know, that's, that's over or you're just too young and you don't know anything. And, and the best time to start is now. And so whatever stories you have brewing in you, whatever art you have brewing in you, whatever ideas, whatever things that are, that are in you that need to get out it's, it's good to get those things things out uh and 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 the reality is it's it's not just good to get them out because it'll maybe help people down the road or or, or bless them or uh you know serve people which is all all good uh but for you for your own soul for for this thing that that we know we feel like we're we're dying inside if we don't get it out and and to get it out in the world is, is really important so so thank you, Ramo- Ramona Lee, for coming on the show. I'll put her information in the show notes. You can go check all her work out. Go check out her new book coming out, June Storm. Uh, also, just a couple things as we kind of land the plane here today. Uh, one is if you have anyone you would like me to interview, uh, I always love getting guests. I get tons of emails of people that have a, a friend or, or maybe yourself that are, are writers or creative people or starting something or doing good work in the world or uh, helping people, whatever it may be. Uh, send me an email. Hello at RyanJPelton.com. Hello at RyanJPelton.com. And I, I love to find new people to talk to and chat with and, uh, and hear their stories. So send that my way. Uh, secondly, hey, go check out the Substack. All of our stuff is on Substack now. RyanJPelton.substack.com. The podcast, the essays, the blog, the newsletter, all of that in one space. So really easy to find. Uh, go check it out. Go subscribe to the newsletter because if you subscribe to the newsletter, you'll get all the updates on when the podcast come out. You'll get uh, all the essays, all the uh, the newsletter I share every week, seven things I'm paying attention to and uh, different links and different things I'm, I'm paying attention to looking at. And uh, hopefully that'll be helpful to you uh, wherever you are in your creative journey. Uh, so get on that newsletter, uh, stay updated. And also what's really cool on the Substack. There's a tr- chat feature, and so it's it's a very interactive uh, piece of technology. So if you get on the on the app, we actually can have conversations, and uh, the community, the broader community, can can chat as well. And I, I like that feature. It's better than social media. I think social media we get lost, and uh, but it's all in one place. And so I'd love to just continue to build out that connection and conversation, and hear what you're working on, hear where you're you're challenged, hear what's going well, and uh, we can encourage each other, build each other up. So, uh, well, hey, this is Ryan J. Pelton, and so glad that you stop by the art of paying attention so thankful for the reviews and ratings and feedback and encouragement uh, keep them coming we really appreciate it. it helps get get the word out and uh, before you go i do have one thing to say is you need to go make some great art with your life and i'll talk to you real, real soon